This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I still like what he's doing. I, I still like what he's doing. He's, he leads our defense or helps to lead our defense because we have a, a lot of leaders out there. When he hits you, he, he hits you hard. He hits you tough. He processes quick, so a quick processor. So that means that when things are about to happen, he, he sees it in, in advance and just expect Roquan to continue to get better and better and better. But I, I expect everyone on the defense to do that, not just Roquan. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports. Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Yes, indeed, it is the pregame show, and we uh, just heard from Alan Williams there. He's the Bears defensive coordinator. He was talking about Roquan Smith, and, and Roquan's situation is. It's fascinating. I mean, this is a guy that uh, had a hold in during camp, right? Didn't get to play a lot. Uh, didn't play in any of the preseason games. He was in a contract impasse, which they could not resolve. Now the Bears obviously hold the franchise tag, so it's not. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going anywhere. And there is a possibility you could reach a deal with him, but he seems to want to reset the linebacker market, and they seem unwilling to give him that money, or they already would have. And meanwhile, he picks up a hip injury, which didn't allow him to practice all week. And uh, he's listed as questionable. They said repeatedly, Alan Williams said, they expect him to play. They talked about what a pro he is. But, I, I mean, the guy's in a contract year. He's putting some bad football on tape, or not his best football on tape. That's not how you get paid. If you – you know, part of being a professional is playing through injury, and it's a very important thing to do. And we all understand that. But there is also plenty of, of different moments where guys make business decisions. And they say, hey, I got to worry about me and my contract, and I can't go and play hurt. Do you – I think we all expect to see Roquan, but do you think this is the decision that he had to make, this contract issue hanging over him? You know what, guys? I, I hope not. Um, there's one thing – all players know 
how injured guys are. You know what I mean? So they'll see you in the training room. They'll see you, uh, you know, trying to come back for Sunday. And if they know that he can play and he doesn't play, he's going to lose respect for all his teammates. He's going to lose all that respect from his teammates. And everybody talks about how great of a teammate he is. He's voted a captain. Um, you have to play if you're injured. You have to. Even if, you know, not if you're injured, sorry, if you're hurt. Let's put those two separate mm-hmm. things here. If you're hurt, you need to play. And this could actually help him. This could show other teams or the Bears, hey, he's willing to play, play through an injury. And he's willing to go out there and be with his teammates and try to help them win. Um, I just hope that's, that's not going through his mind at all. I hope it's just, hey, I want to be out there with my guys. I want to help him beat the Houston Texans. And that's the way he should be thinking. But if he doesn't play and guys think he can play, then he's going to lose complete respect in that locker room. And that's, that's not good for this team. I, I do think it's it ends up being a little more complex than that because of where the Bears are as a franchise too, though. You know, mm-hmm. like like last season where there was a lot of these guys who were getting longer in the tooth and it was known that, all right, this is kind of the maybe the end of what we thought would be a lengthy window and we got to show something. We got to win big if this is going to stay together. And you had Akeem Hicks in a contract year trying to figure out if Khalil Mack is going to stay around. All these other things that kind of factored into that, which had more of a, a win-now vibe to it. Yeah, I, I believe the, the players in the locker room who, you know, you, you do, you try to insulate yourself from that outside noise as much as you can, and everybody's uber confident, so you're taking the field, believing that all the work you put in will lead you to victories. Well, at the same time, everybody knows that the franchise has only put a certain level of investment financially into this season, and of course, they all know that Roquan's in a contract year. So I do think there's a there's a level of realization, especially from certain guys who who've maybe already kind of been there, been around the block a little bit, maybe had their payday opportunity or are hoping for soon that their payday opportunity may come. I, I do believe there's a realization that can be there. Now, you know, if everybody just sees like if Roquan's just hobbling around looking like he's dragging his leg everywhere, and then it's it's more obvious, more apparent that he can't play. Now the the sliding scale of of how quickly May a guy get upset because they expect that he's going to be out there leading the defense, and if he's not, and they don't truly believe that he's that banged up, then yes, there, there's no doubt something that could you know kind of creep in and erode some of the culture, some of the the togetherness that can be there from it. Could guys look at him a certain way? No doubt. But I do think just from a, a business perspective, there is a realization of the level of risk that would be taken on if you you go out there and are you just a notch below 100 percent, or are you potentially messing up your money. I mean, I, I do think there's enough guys in the locker room that would recognize that sliding scale that Roquan would be dealing with where they wouldn't necessarily be quick to judge if it's known that, yeah, he, he's pretty banged up. A game off could end up enhancing that. But then a game on could really put him in a position where he's maybe jeopardizing the long-term health of things. I, I do think that realization is there. Even with guys he's closer with, that conversation you know, would likely yeah. be taking place in certain situations. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I understand that. If he's truly injured, yeah, he shouldn't be playing. But, um, you know, this this is a game I, I, I think, uh, the, the, to me, it's changed a little bit where the players have now become 100 percenters where they mm-hmm. need to be 100% to play. <laughs> um, and I, that uh-huh. kind of that makes yeah. me a, a little upset that, you know, I hate to talk about back when I played or whatever, but I think you see a lot of guys now that – We'll tell the trainer or the coach, I just can't go because I'm not 100%. Well, you're not going to be 100% for 17 weeks. And I just hope that what you're talking about, Anthony, that that fine line, you're right, it is a fine line, that if he can play, that he he goes. I really hope so. And I, I would say you, this, too, because, Mully, where where Roquan finds himself, the, the fact that, and I know you and David talked about it a lot in the mornings, the fact that Roquan and the Bears didn't come to a deal, not both sides have put themselves 
in this situation mm-hmm. where yeah. the Bears, I mean, it'd be if Roquan was out there lighting it up these first two games, and then he was like, all right, you know, I got this hip thing, maybe I'm not going to go, then we would be looking at the onus and the faults for the scenario being more on the Bears because then everybody's like, man, how can you not get – look at the way this guy's play. Look at the way Roquan right, is out right, there right. flying all over the field making these plays. How dare you, Bears, put Roquan in this position where he doesn't have his long-term money. Right now, he hasn't performed up to what we think is that Roquan Smith standard through the first two games, and now it does feel like the onus of perception – is more on Roquan at the moment and especially representing himself. And so now both sides have put themselves in this, what can end up being an awkward position during the season. Every time there's a mispractice, every time there's a question of whether or not he's going to be in the game, we're all going to wonder how much of it is the business end of it and how much of it is just legitimately he, he is not physically able to go. And it's going to come up frequently throughout yeah. an NFL season. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we've seen guys that have made business decisions. That's not unusual. We've also seen guys that play and then have to have surgery. I mean, you know, it's, it is a very common thing, and I don't know if football fans understand it, that when, you know, when you get to the end of the season, it's like, oh, I got to clean up this or clean up. That's surgery. Mm-hmm. Most humans would not <laughs> want to, you know, if I got a They're not just sweeping cut, the corners. They're, they're taking surgical exactly, instruments into your exactly. limbs. Yeah. Can you recall instances where you, where you saw guys that were doing something you couldn't believe or that were – Maybe not. Maybe making business decisions. I, I can't recall anybody specific, but it did impress me when guys would finish up a season, and then you know that you know that Monday or Tuesday after the season they're going in to get something repaired and fixed. And it happens all the time. It's just kind of surprising that how many guys you know just finish the season. But it's the normal. That's the normal NFL. You play through injuries. You play through pain, and that's part of it. That's what you sign up for. And I can't recall anybody that I can think of that I looked at and was disappointed that they weren't playing because I didn't think they were you know, injured right. enough. I, I can't recall anybody specifically. I'd say in, in Detroit, a couple of teammates I had who really essentially play, played the same position, Sean Rogers and mm-hmm. Luther Ellis, where Luther Ellis was out there at one point basically playing with one arm. You know, like he had the entire – one of his – I think it was his left arm, his entire arm was bandaged up because he had hyperextended his elbow so poorly that he ended up needing offseason – elbow surgery and he's literally out there playing and he's just this huge this mountain of a Polynesian man one of the strongest interior defensive linemen you could imagine yes. and he would go out there hit blocks with one hand get into the guy with with his hat with his hat in his hands with his shoulder and his and the crown of his helmet and then extend the blocker away with one hand just keeping the other one out of the block because he couldn't use it. And we're watching Luther doing these superhuman things on film. But then Sean Rogers was one of those guys, you know, younger guy, came in in 01, second round pick. But he was kind of like Patrick's describing, more of a 100%er kind of guy. Like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm a big dude. The, uh, the, the mortality of my career probably won't be as long as some of these other guys anyway. So if my, if my ankle is turned or if I'm just coming back from a lower body surgery, I'm not going to be one of these guys out there kind of laying it all on the line, especially when a contract year may be there. And so, you know, kind of just like everywhere in society, certain guys will handle certain situations one way. Some guys will, will be able to just kind of compartmentalize what makes sense to them, you know, for their career, especially, again, if you're in a situation where you're not necessarily feeling like there are championship-level expectations on a particular season, then all of that can end up shaping the way that players will view something and the way that the organization may not, 
you know, may not be of the utmost, like on, on the, the peak of somebody's priority list for like giving it all to the squad because you feel like, you know what, maybe the, maybe the team isn't giving it all to us at the moment either. That, that can be kind of an, a, a difficult balance that plays out. And, and there is pressure on players to play injured. There is a yeah. lot of pressure. And, it, you know, a lot of it is coming from – is coming from kind of the machismo of the game and the coaches need you and you know how much you're needed. But there's like peer pressure too. You know, we, uh, we need you to be at your best or, you know, we need you to be a decoy. So go out there and decoy. Um, I, I just think that, that that is one of the real untold stories about how, how the I, – I, no one wants to lose their job, but the pressure to play through injury is added to by every guy that does it pretty much half the league by the end of the year is playing hurt. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'll give an example of me. I tore my uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I tore my MCL, I don't know what year it was, and I missed two games, I believe, and Mike Sweatman was our special teams coach. And he's like, you have to hurry up and get back because you're wasting a roster spot. You know, being a long snapper, you don't have a backup. So they have mm-hmm. to cut somebody and bring somebody in. He made me feel guilty that we had to cut somebody to bring wow. somebody in to, to snap. So I, I came back probably a week or two too early because of that and that's just kind of the way it was back then but yeah there is a little uh you know macho-ness to to trying to play through an injury but that was an interesting situation because I was getting somebody cut and I felt terrible for that and then I believe they like what was his name whatever his name was we brought him back two weeks later but he loses two weeks of salary because I got injured (laughs) yeah yeah it's a it's a fascinating uh subject and you know here's hoping I I guess Ian Rappaport reported that uh that he's expected to play today um, you know, hopefully that came from his camp and not from the team because they, they his agent. Oh, wait, he doesn't have an agent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He does have a camp though. We all have a camp. Uh, all right. So, uh, Justin, uh, uh, excuse me, Jalen Johnson is also questionable in this game. Um, you know, you start talking about bears, defenders and guys that are kind of uh, premium type players. And I would argue they have, Definitely three, maybe four. Um, you know, obviously uh, Robert Quinn and Roquan, and I would include Jalen Johnson and maybe Eddie if he's if he's got it together and and he's mm-hmm. in playing up to his contract level. And I don't know, but th- that would be about it. Now we know that Jalen Johnson has not been targeted with a pass this year. And, in fact, it's 61 plays dating back to last season since anybody's thrown at him. Now, that maybe is an indictment on Kendall Vildor or starting a rookie in Kyler Gordon who struggled in uh, in Green Bay. But, you know, again, that's a guy who is is uh, carrying a uh, an injury and there is concern. I believe he's got a quad injury. There's concern as to whether or not if he doesn't play – if he does play, maybe you target him. I don't know. I mean, I think you got you're spoiled for choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. And that's you know he's I, you know you asked the question is an indictment on Kyler Gordon and Kendall Vildor over Jalen. I think it is. I think you go back to last week's game and you watch Aaron Rodgers just look right at Kyler Gordon and go right at him. I think it was six times he was targeted that I had that you know that you could just tell Aaron Rodgers was looking right at him, knew it was a mismatch. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with why Jalen Johnson hasn't been targeted. But again, I want to go back. I just hope he's not a hundred percenter. <laughs> I hope he's a guy that can play right. with a quad injury. And if it is, if it is terrible, don't play. I understand that. There's a I, him slightly injured is going to be a lot better than the backups going in. And I hope he understands that and is willing to go out there and play. But you know, he's had a nice season so far because nobody's targeting. But I think it is because of Kendall Vildor and Kyler Gordon. 
I would imagine at, at this point that the balance, whatever that sliding scale is for how much the opponent is factoring in the excellence that Jalen Johnson brings to the table versus the, the struggles that might be there for some of the other Bears secondary that, you know, they're, they're looking at the film. They're watching him with, with just adhesive-type coverage on, on the receivers that he's guarding. He's not a guy with a bunch of interceptions up to this point in his career. So, I mean, you know, a guy who you're worried about getting a pass deflection, then that's going to be a part of the scouting report. But he's not one of these takeaway magnets either. So I, I do think that probably on, on that scale, as great as Jalen Johnson has been in coverage so far between the two, I would say it's probably even more of an indictment on, on how the opponents feel about the rest of the Bears' coverage, yes. even in addition to Jalen Johnson. Because part of what ends up scaring you is not only, all right, is that receiver open? Are we putting ourselves at risk? But are they going to take the ball away? And the opportunities have been limited because he doesn't get targeted that much. But then even when it's there, it's more likely – and this was kind of the story on him in college as well. Excellent coverage. It's more likely going to be a pass breakup than an interception. And that's where, like I've talked about with Jalen Johnson, to, to be his cover skills amongst the elite, to be paid like the absolute best in the business. you got to show you're a guy who can take the ball away. He certainly got that kind of potential. But, right. yeah, I mean, Green Bay, they, they've targeted Kyler Gordon mm-hmm. as, a, as a pass defender, as a run defender as well. He was a guy who they said yeah. every time we get to put him on an island – and make him truly play, this rookie is going to have to play the game. And that's a difficult situation to be in against that Packers offense. Yeah, that's, that's a game plan thing. You know, like the coaches, yeah. they break down their tape on Monday. Tuesday, they come in. They probably look at that Bears defense and say, all right, this is where we're attacking. Let's just stay away from Jalen Johnson. We've got a rookie and we've got a young guy in Kendall Vildor. This is where we're attacking. That's just the game plan thing that gets put in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you, Mully, you know, in talking about the, uh, the the Roquan Smith part of the discussion, I think Eddie Jackson is an interesting example, like referencing, you know, kind of where he's at in his career, too. Is this a true contract year for Eddie Jackson? You know, maybe not, but but he's certainly a guy who who has this as a as an almost like prove it season just for whether or not his his monetary value will stay where it's at at the moment to go as long as he did without a takeaway. All right. We, we get the takeaway in week one. In week two, that was the most physical version of Eddie Jackson we've seen in years. And really, the, the main bugaboo from the first game was he got run over the goal line by Debo Samuel, where he just right. he made a bad choice to try and go high on Debo Samuel <laughs> with a head of steam. We saw multiple times in last week's game against Green Bay where Eddie Jackson looked like a, like a thumper kind of safety, man, where he was flying from the third level, running the alley a little bit, cleaning folks' clocks near the sideline. That's why he's a captain. This week, you know, they saw, yeah. man, this is not the Eddie Jackson we thought we were getting. It was impressive watching him laying the lumber on some folks in week two. So, I mean, from through that lens of whether or not a guy who's already maybe proven something and, and is in sort of a contract year. Now, by all accounts, Eddie Jackson is completely healthy right now. But it's, it's fun to see not only week one, but then also week two without a takeaway, but a physical version of Eddie Jackson that showed up a lot in that game as a guy with as a veteran player who's already kind of gotten his money, but is in a year where he's got something to prove here too. You know, I, Pat, I think you reacted when I named four defensive players. I don't think you would enjoy including Eddie in that, and I understand why, and maybe I'm – Maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because I, I heard the interview with Jeff Joniak where he talked about he lost one of his childhood friends and then 
his wife lost two babies. I mean, I, I don't know that we t- – they had, they had a, a couple of miscarriages. I don't know that we talk about uh, the things that players go through, the life issues that can creep in. I think we talked about Eddie, you know, oh, every time he's playing, he's making a business decision. He knows he's getting paid. He's, he's been ruined by the money. But there are other things that, uh, that impact people. So maybe I gave him more of a benefit of the doubt than I should have. No, I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, there's some heavy stuff off the field that guys go through, and that can definitely creep into Hallis Hall and out to Soldier Field or wherever they're playing. And it's unfortunate that that is happening to some of these players. Like, it happened with the Houston Texans, it seemed like. Justin Britt, their center, yeah. he's on the NFL, uh, whatever, the, uh, the NFL I list or whatever for, you know, non-football injury. He said there's personal stuff going on. So it happens to guys all across the league. And, you know, Eddie Jackson, to me, too, I think what, what I like is his play this year is great, but I think he's is much better. And I think he's playing for his contract. I just pulled up his contract yeah. numbers. He's got... Next year he's going to make thirteen million. The following year he's going to make fourteen million. So if he goes out there and, and lays an egg this year and doesn't play well, you need to cut him, right? So then you're you're off the books for thirteen and fourteen million dollars in salary next year. But also he's playing for that. So he's you know he's playing for his contract as well, which 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 is which is uh, I guess incentivizing for him, and it's nice to see. But uh, I just hope things you know off the field get cleared up for him, and he can get his full mind and body and ready to play for the Bears. All right, we should let you know that our pregame broadcast here is presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download that Bet Rivers app. Do it today. You'll find the Bears a three point favorite and the over under for the game at 39 points. It might have been at 42 at one point. Uh, I know it was at 41.5 at one point, but it's down to 39. So, again, uh, I think John McClain had it right. Could be the fastest game of the year. <laughs> that was hysterical. Uh, we we have got to talk about that goal line play. We got to, we just got to talk about the difference between finesse and power football, Pat. If if you don't want to talk about the Green Bay game, let's present it that fashion <laughs> right. as we pick apart. Let's we'll talk worst about plays. the play, not the Packers. Yes, okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, we'll do that next. It is uh, it's the pregame show on the score. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back with...
with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Mully, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. All righty, we uh, threatened to do it, and we're going to do it now. We talked about uh, <laughs> threatened. We talked about that uh, that shotgun play at the goal line last week, and it it was interesting to hear from uh, all parties involved. Um, I was a little bit surprised that the you know the offensive coordinator doesn't talk till later in the week, and uh, Luke Getze defended the call. Thought it was the right play, obviously. They ran it um, against the defense they were looking at. Now, uh, to remind everyone, they were in shotgun at the inch line, and they got Justin Fields going about six yards deep, and he went a little bit to his right, and he went a little bit to his left, and no, and he ran into a, a, a big group of bodies, and I guess if you call that a touchdown, Matt Eberthus made that point. Pat, we talked about it in the postgame. If you called it a touchdown, you couldn't have changed it. But obviously, it wasn't called a touchdown, and you couldn't change it. So the play didn't work. And it's a finesse play that you're running in what I thought would be a power football situation. I thought they did a great job of running down the field. They get there. Why are you – what are you doing? And, and guys, um, you know, they had three wide receivers on the field. They completed three – Passes to wide receivers the entire game. Did anybody <laughs> did do you think that there was a moment where Green Bay was like, "Oh God, they're throwing it"? I don't. What uh, what were your thoughts on that play and the defense of it in the post? Uh, all of the post mortem. I I think the coaches outcoached themselves. So when I went back and watched the tape, I put it up on a grease board in front of me. You know the X's and O's and put the numbers up there and saw you know that the, the it was. To the advantage of the Bears that this play call was, and it should have scored and it should have worked. But on the grease board, it looked great Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when they wrote this thing up. But also to me, and they said they practiced it during the week. So they got down the red zone. They said, all right, this is going to be a red zone play. But when you're on the one-inch line, I think you scrap that play. You say, all right, we practiced it all week and it looked good, but this is different. This is on the one-inch line. All you have to do is get one inch to score a touchdown, run a quarterback sneak. How many times you put on, you know, uh, highlights on Sunday night, and you just see quarterbacks just t- take the snap and just put it right over the goal line and score. And it was still advantageous to the Bears to run a quarterback sneak. There was there was room between the center and the left guard because you had a shaded nose on the right and you had a Kenny Clark on the left. Double team him with Cody Whitehair and Braxton Jones, and you you walk right in. So to me, it was a, they outcoached themselves. It looked good on the grease board. It looked like it should have worked, but that's not the right call at that right time. I think as much as anything, the, the situation in the game, that drive itself, the way they've been running the football down the throat of the Green Bay Packers defense, majority of that was from under center. And so as that plays out in the game, I'm, I'm sitting in the green room over at Fox 32, and it's me and Jim Miller sitting there watching the play together. We're seeing that entire drive play out. You're looking at it like, well, okay, yeah, maybe chewing up a little bit of clock. But, man, they are just marching down the field, and they the run game kind of went away after the first quarter, and here we go, man. They're making this happen, and then you get there, and it looks like maybe as Justin Fields reached it in towards the third down, and he knocks over the pile, and all right, you don't get that call. Here we go at fourth and goal. This is now one of those moments where maybe you can draw a line in the sand and say, okay, we got this young offensive line. We got this young QB. Let's impose our will on the road with the QB sneak, or at least something from under center 
with David Montgomery, who's been just impossible to tackle for Green Bay up to that point in the game. As soon as they come out in shotgun, me and Jim both start screaming at the television. And to be clear, (laughs) I'm not against all goal line shotgun plays, but they had been under center throughout that entire drive, having success up to that point. And then also you have your, you know, like Sam Mustafer, still you know, an experienced center, but still a young center. And now you also allow the defenders to, to tee off on the interior of your offensive line for penetration with the quarterback and shotgun. We see a lot of teams have success with it. Obviously, Cam Newton has made, you know, shotgun formation with goal to go very famous. And, and Josh Allen has had success with it. Lamar Jackson has had success with it. I'm not just against all shotgun formations in that scenario. For the Bears and what it played out in that game, under center was what had been successful, especially on that drive. But the run game at large throughout the game, a lot of success from under center, and specifically under center, turning around and handing it to David Montgomery. And one of the things that, that failed on that particular snap, you heard the name Lucas Patrick come up quite a bit. Yes, he, he saw something within the defensive front of Green Bay. He got super light in his stance. I was talking about Bears defenders and whether or not They're communicating properly against the run, echoing calls. It's not a doubt in my mind, whether whether it's Kenny Clark Mm -hmm. or the entire defensive front. They're looking at the way Lucas Patrick was sitting back in his stance, obviously looking to pull in that goal-to-go scenario. That allows you to know, all I got to do is now use a sub-technique, create a pile of bodies on the interior. So when the interior, the Packers D-line sees that, they know they just got to create a pile on the inside. Linebackers can flow down and just make it really difficult. Just kind of muck things up, muck with an M, (laughs) things up on the interior. And now there's not this run lane. There's not an alley that you're hoping sort of a a shotgun and and a three-receiver set formation can end up putting the defense in the, the notion that they need to spread out a bit more. You know as a defensive lineman, when you see one of the guards in a light stance preparing to pull there, now you know the play is going to the opposite side of the offensive formation. We knock it back at all right there. We're making life really difficult on this offense. So there's a few different factors in that that I think the execution of the play was bad, but just in in feeling the game up to that point, it it immediately didn't feel like the right call. Not, Not just because shotgun in general is bad there, but under center had been extremely successful for the Bears before that moment. No, no doubt. The other thing, too, guys, I had, I had my notes here on, on that drive is that they used a fullback the entire yes. time. They yes. had a fullback until they got to the red zone. They took right. them out, and they were ripping them, like you said, Anthony, yep. ripping them with that. Why not continue with that all the way through the end zone? I, I don't get that. And then great, great uh, talk about the D-line play and all that stuff on the goal line and seeing that Lucas Patrick is light. One thing I didn't like as well – is they all went kind of on a back block. They didn't double-team Kenny Clark, mm. the three technique. I thought mm. that's the point of attack where you have to to stop that technique. You're talking about that sub-technique and trying yeah. to get low. And I don't know if they had a a, a wrong call or whatever they you know, want to call it, a B-block where they should have just double-teamed Kenny Clark up to the linebacker instead of having um, everybody go all the way back and have single blocks. And Cole Komet got kind of thrown into that hole. Yes. And when, when Patrick comes around, he kind of – runs into him. It just wasn't – there was nothing clean about that. And, and Anthony, I, you know, I think that's great insight that he, that he was uh, light in his stance. Um, if, you're, if you're playing opposite him, aren't you following him if he goes to pull? Aren't you coming in? Aren't you creating a problem with the, the basically just pull it? 
So there, there's either of two ways you can handle it. When you see the guard across from you light in their stance, you can look to penetrate and, and essentially use the crease that's created by that puller. When you know he's going to go, you can fly to your stance with that much more urgency trying to get into the backfield through that gap that's now created by the puller trying to leave. That can be a little more difficult to do in goal line because the offensive line, in theory, is, is lower in their stance and is firing off with more aggression than they would in just kind of a standard down and distance out towards the middle of the field. So one technique is to look to penetrate at that point right there where the body's being left. As much as anything, you can now alert the players on the other side of the formation. They're coming your way. They're pulling that way. They're going to either double or down block that way. So you got to make sure you are back in your haunches and you are lunging forward so they get no movement. If they don't move you, then it's going to be hard for that ball carrier to cross the goal line. And there's right. com- there's communicate real quick. There's communication going across the D line as well, right? You're saying right. light, light, light. So the guy, the yep. three technique, Kenny Clark knows that the puller's probably coming. Correct? Wow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's that's something else. Um, we have breaking news and uh, uh, breaking news on the score brought to you by the Beat the Streak podcast. Go ahead, get an inside edge on how to win five point six million dollar prizes every day with uh, this baseball season. It's five six million total. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts, um, Jalen Johnson out for this game. Ouch. So that does hurt. That uh, that stings to lose your uh, your best cornerback. Mm-hmm. So I guess they can throw to that side of the field now. <laughs> uh, or maybe they're still spoiled for choice. Who knows? Or maybe they have more choices. We'll, uh, we'll bring in our guy, Mark Rohde. We'll find out. Roquan's active. That's great news. But uh, we'll find out who's going to play, who's going to start in uh, – and Jalen Johnson stead and what uh, the, the flip card changes are will bring in Grody from the field itself. It is, of course, the pregame show on the score. I would just say it's just basic fundamentals that he can clean up on, you know, that we looked at in detail. It could be from footwork to the fundamental tackling to a lot of things. And I think it's we detail them out for him, and he's excited about putting those into practice in the game. Oh, boy, that is uh, Matt Eberflus, the Bears head coach, talking earlier in the week about Kyler Gordon and how he can fix his game. Well, you better fix it quick because uh, uh, we found out now that Jalen Johnson is out. I believe he came out and tried it, and unfortunately the quad injury was such that he will not play. We are delighted to welcome in our man on the sidelines, obviously Mark Grody. Who else would it be? Who else is our guy? Uh, guests on the score hotline are presented by Circuit Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Grody time! Mark! Gentlemen, what's going on? I, I will tell you this about Kyler Gordon, and there's no other way to put it. It's a very rough week for the, the Bears cornerback last week, but he is one of these guys. I know, I know they're all told to shake it off and forget about it especially if you are a defensive back that's just the way you have to live but I'll say this Kyler Gordon is really good at it you know he's one of those guys that is extremely confident in his skills and did at least it from the conversations that I had with him in the locker room this week he did not seem shaken at all by what went down and there are people too who believe hey you you were going to have a game like this at some point in time as a as a rookie cornerback in the NFL so get it over with now and he seems to subscribe to that 
idea. But but this is a huge day for Jalen Johnson, obviously, and it's not the same skill set with the Houston Texans coming at them, but now the light is going to be shining on him more than ever, as if it already wasn't in the first two games. So, Groats, what's your sense for how that affects just the lineup at large in the defensive backfield? Because we've seen some scenarios, even just a couple of games into the season, where Kyler Gordon has lined up outside, depending on the personnel grouping and everything like that. Do you think we still see Gordon featured as, as the, the nickel corner, the slot defender, or is it possible that, that maybe Kyler Gordon starts outside and then someone else becomes the nickel? Do you have a sense for that yet? Uh, I have not been told anything about that, but my guess would be that he does start on the outside, that it's he and Bayless Jones starting on the on the, the outsides for the Bears in this game for sure. And then as far as the slot is concerned, that could get – very interesting with a couple of couple of rookies and in, in uh, Jalen Jones and Josh Blackwell that are possibilities for that. I also think you should not rule out somebody like DeAndre Houston Carson for the Bears as well because he's done it before and done it not not that they want to keep him in there and have him doing that a whole bunch of the time, but but he is a guy that is certainly capable of of doing something like that as well but uh, we'll have to stand by and see and by the way i met kindle vildor yeah. not, not bayless jones as far as yeah. the the nickel they is concerned to defense yeah he's the, he's the yeah. anti-hester yes. it's just not working uh, out that's yeah. how he healed up <laughs> well mark uh, yeah. help us out lucas patrick not playing center right so he will remain in rotation with tevin jenkins god i hate that yeah, I don't know about the rotation um, specifically, Molly. I have a feeling it will be the case. But I was just told just a short while before we came on, I was told by another player that it would be Sam Mustafer starting at center. And I left to presume that it would be in, indeed the, a potential rotation again with Lucas Patrick at right guard and Tevin Jenkins. So at least for one more week, I mean, I guess the, the good news is if, if for people who are wanting him to be Lucas Patrick to be the center for the Bears, he did practice a couple, at least a couple of times, uh, work out, I should say, at center during practice. And uh, so that, that would at least suggest to us that he is close. And it's not. I was actually told, too, today that around, I'd say, 10, 15 or so, that at that time they still didn't know who the center was going to be today. Now, I'm not sure if that was accurate, if that was gamesmanship to the reporter, but it, it they made it sound like it was possible for him to start today at center and that it just it, they just it didn't feel right. I sure hope they know. <laughs> they better know what they're yeah. doing going in this game. All yeah, right, Ro- I, I would th- I would think so, yeah. Patrick. That's why I didn't like jump right. forward to right, report right. that. But yeah. like Rokon's injury, he's you know a guy that's been on the injury report all week. You have a sense of how injured he is. Obviously, he's playing, but is he going to be you know close to one hundred percent? Was the rest this week needed? I mean, th- is that what's going to get him back to being one hundred percent? I think so, Patrick. I mean, I couldn't tell any. You know, obviously, we couldn't talk to him right. because he's injured, and, and injured players are typically off limits. But just watching him in the locker room, you know, studying his demeanor, it seemed like this wasn't serious. Just just Good. going on those kinds of things in terms of the way he is walking, and I saw him out here on the field running around. It didn't it didn't seem like it was anything bad. And sometimes, if it is something more critical, you'll see the player out on the field well before the game starts, 
one-on-one -on -one with a trainer. Now, I didn't. I did not see Roquan doing that. That's a good. Point. Uh, you know, I've been here since about 8:30 this morning. So yeah, you, usually that's the that's the tell for me. If I see a guy working one-on-one -on -one or a couple of trainers, that's when you start to get nervous. But typically that. That'll come when it's like just a concern whether or not the guy's playing, but apparently he didn't need to pass any tests, so hopefully nothing gets re-aggravated and Roquan Smith could be full go, and you know th this might be a get-well game for him considering what happened last week. Mark Grody out on the scene there at Soldier Field, as he is every week with us here on the pregame show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. When you guys had an opportunity to speak with Justin Fields in person and you get to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, after every Bears game. So you've gotten a, a pretty good sense, as good a sense as anyone in this city could have for the demeanor, the, the energy, the vibe of Justin Fields. And in person during the media, and even really after the game from Green Bay, a difference where that, that disappointment was there at Lambeau and then you know certainly getting to talk to you guys in person. He talked about wanting to be more open, show more of his personality. What have been your observations between post-game at Lambeau and then talking to you guys there uh, during the week here just on the you know what Justin Fields is sort of going through in in trying to be himself trying to show himself and and how that plays out with his demeanor yeah it's a it's a really it's really interesting that he took it upon himself during the press conference which I was at at Hallis Hall on this past Wednesday to you know say sort of uh, fix some things that he had said or add to some things he had said about, you know, essentially paraphrasing the fans aren't putting in the work. It's the players that put in the work, and a lot of people took exception to that, and he got hammered on social media. And, I, I you know, it sucks when anybody gets hammered on social media. Nobody likes it. But I actually think that for Justin Fields, it was a bit of a, a wake-up call. As great as his demeanor is with his teammates and his players, and you've heard them raving about the, the leadership and the calmness and all of that, he hasn't really reached out to fans and shown himself to them. He, he is unconditionally loved still, and, and it's you know, very early in his career. It has not been a great start to his career, but you know, I just, just right before I came on with you guys, he was over in the Bears Tunnel signing autographs. Now, he, he usually does that. But fans love him, and I think that they, they would like a little bit more from him, a little love, a little reciprocation of, of the love back. And they, and, and they don't have to, to be the guy that is, you know, Mr. Gregarious. You don't have to be Peyton Manning and doing all the, the commercials, but just a little something, a little wink to the fans, uh, a little bit more personality. And I think he's known that, and I think it sort of caught up with him this week when it was, you know, whether you agree with what was said or not, I mean, to me it seemed pretty innocuous, but in, in the end it may work out well for everybody because Justin Fields feels like he might have to open up a little bit more and realizes the job that he is in. I mean, this is the, the top job in Chicago sports, you know? I mean, he's Justin Fields, so I, I think we might see a different version of him. The, the one other thing, too, is that, hey, man, you lost to the Packers. I think people should like that he was depressed after that game. It's not great for the media because he's given the the, the short answers. I, I think that as time goes on and the Bears take tough losses like that, I think that you're, we're going to find that he's going to get better at that because that I think that's part of leadership is is you know keeping your head up, saying you know doing the doing the dreadful work of doing doing the media stuff after the game. But I think it's going to be good for Justin Fields in the end. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And that's just, uh, like you said, that's the biggest biggest uh, job in sports here in Chicago, and I'm happy he's willing to put that on his shoulders and grow up a little bit from that. But I need to ask you about special teams, obviously being a former special teamer. I have not been happy with the kickoff return team. I think you talked to Tristan Ebner this week. What did he have to say about him being the kickoff returner? Yeah, I mean, he's the guy, but uh, I will say this, Patrick. I mean, there there was one kick return that he did not get last week. Mm-hmm. So it is, you know, in talking to Richard Hightower, the special teams coach, you know, they are working on specific things with specific kick returners. I do think it will be Tristan Ebner again being the guy, but it, it's possible that there could be some change-ups um, throughout that. While we're on special teams, too, Patrick, I, I should mention the field looks spectacular um, with you know getting to see it in full effect this week without Rivers being a part of the field. And I talked to Cairo Santos. He was the first guy that I talked to about the field, and he, he did. He was raving about it, and he said that the, that the seams have grown in on the grass, so it's even better than what it was in the in the first week when he of course missed a couple of uh, extra points. So, you know that that's got to get better. He knows he can't do that, and this I, I imagine today will be a good day for Cairo Santos. Great stuff, Mark. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up with you. Later, boys. Have a good game. See you, Mark. That is Mark Grody. You heard him there on the sidelines. The crowd's getting ready for it. Um, that's a big blow uh, losing the corner, and and we'll see if if. Justin Jones, if an undrafted rookie is your corner, that's that's another guy that we talked about picking on on different players. That's a guy that they'll go after, and you hate that idea that they'd be spoiled for choice. So we'll see. Everybody, you know, I I, I looked at Houston's uh, injured list. Brandon Cooks apparently playing in the game. Sadly, he wasn't listed. I was kind of hoping something <laughs> horrible would happen. He'd sprained an ankle on his way onto the field, but no. So you got a pretty good receiver there. Uh, I get it. David Davis Mills doesn't throw as well on the road as he does at home, and this team has folded in the fourth quarter. But it's dangerous, no question. That you know this may be the low tier bowl, but you need your best players if you're going to win games. I did see where uh, where Kevin Fishbane, frequent guest here on the score yep. from the Athletic, where he ended up tweeting out uh, an answer to the question I was posing to Grody there that it'll be Kyler Gordon and and Kendall Vildor will be the outside corners. Lamar Jackson is oh. expected to be the the nickel <laughs> corner, and you know I I think from from Kyler Gordon's film in college, from his experience at Washington, he played more on the outside as the outside corner was certainly in the slot some as well. I do think, and this certainly seems to play out in the way the bears are using him as well. He's their best. He's their best bet for a nickel corner at the moment in the end though, for the, you know, the long term in his career, he's, he's likely going to be an outside corner. I just think for where the bears are as a secondary right now and him being a rookie, you know, him being in, in the slot as the nickel defender, I think that suits where they're at at the moment. Long term, though, he's, I think he's going to be better suited as an outside corner, and we're going to get our first real look at that with him as a starter out there today. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get the conversation back to the quarterback and the offense. We've got to talk about what to anticipate from the Bears. How many passes are they going to throw? Obviously, they can run the ball, and this is a team you can run against. They're, they're really bad against the run. But you got to mix in the, your balance, and uh, and we'll talk about that next. You're listening to the pregame show. It is the score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 